0: Given in this service today, to thank you for visiting with us, being with us, being a part of this service electronically, uh, whatever format you're utilizing, we're glad you're with us. And I know I've heard from a number of you how much you miss being together with God's people. It's an unusual kind of longing that God's people experience. They want to be together and miss it so much when we can't be. We're in unprecedented times. We've never experienced anything like this. and I not so I, it seems like we've been doing this now for about 365 days, it seems at least. but I'm hoping, 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 as Kevin said, that we'll be able to gather at least in the parking lot. We're hoping for Easter Sunday morning, and then we're hoping maybe in the month of May we can gather back in God's house to be together. So thank you for coming and being with us even in an electronic way today. Because today we do focus on and celebrate Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, that, that Sunday that is celebrated as people, uh, God's people celebrate the time when Jesus entered into Jerusalem to experience His death, burial, and resurrection. And we know that triumphal entry occurred celebrating who He was But that celebration would soon end as people realized that he would be arrested and taken, tried, not once but twice, and then taken to be killed outside the city gates, just north of the city gates. So today we celebrate Palm Sunday, but we're also thinking about and pondering what happened during that week. And we know that's when our Lord Jesus died on the cross Now even the word cross or crucifixion doesn't mean perhaps what it used to mean because we've sanitized it. We've symbolized it so much. It's worn as a piece of jewelry by so many people, we don't really think much about what really happened. I read an article by one physician who said some interesting things. He said when uh, the victim was crucified, the first thing that happened was of course, the victim was laid down on the, on the cross. And, of course, this was after, in Jesus' case, and most of the other uh, crucifixion victims' case, after they had been whipped terribly with what's called a cat-of-nine-tails. It's a terrible whip that had... It was leather, but it had bits of shards of glass or metal in the ends. And so his back had been beaten horribly to the bone. And then we know, in Jesus' case... Upon his head was thrust that crown of thorns. That indeed, as you know, most lacerations in the scalp cause a massive amount of bleeding. And so Jesus had already bled and been in terrible pain after his beating. And then his body is laid upon that cross. The Roman centurion would then get the wrist, not the hand, but the wrist, and find that hollow place there above the hand and nail a square wrought iron nail through that wrist into the cross. Then repeating that with the other side, it was horrifically painful. But then he was lifted up, or sometimes the feet were nailed even before lifting up. But one foot was placed over the other foot and through the arch of both feet was nailed yet another sharp, round, uh, excuse me, square wrought iron nail nail and then they were lifted up and thus began the true agony this physician talks about what happened at that point as the body would instinctively push up to give some relief from the hands but upon pushing up that laceration in the nerves and tissue and tendons in the feet would cause horrific pain and that pain would shoot up into the brain and then the body would begin to relax and then the pain would come as the hands began to tear even more. This kind of uh, back and forth would continue for quite a while and then cramps would begin to seep down into the muscles of the victim. This physician says they struggled to breathe and while they could take air in they could not exhale the air as well as they should And so hours of this limitless pain would ensue. Cramps, asphyxiation, pain from the lacerated back, and in Jesus' case, the skull. Loss of tissue fluids, compressed heart began to beat harder and harder the tortured lungs, and the victim could feel the chill of death. And that horrific thing that I've just tried to describe to you in a medical way is how the Bible says in both Mark and Luke and they crucified Him. Just that simple statement is hard to capture what our Lord Jesus went through physically. Now because of the horrific nature of the shame and the pain involved in the cross many people would just want to forget it. Let's not talk about that. In fact the early Christians when they talked about the shed blood of Christ We're often criticized for being a slaughterhouse religion. Well, so be it. That's what we talk about. Because while we might want to forget it, we must not. Someone once wrote an interesting parody, a supposed conversation that might have occurred many years later between a friend named Marcus and Pontius Pilate. And he asked Pontius Pilate, Do you remember a Jew named Jesus? That you want sentenced to die and crucified. The painful memories began flooding back in Pilate's life and in his mind. And he said, let memory rest. Your questions have disturbed me. They have made me squeamish. Let be the past. Well, it's a little wonder that Pilate wanted to forget what happened that day. But I'm telling you today, my friends, we as Christians must not forget what happened on that day. We must not forget because our very spiritual lives is dependent upon what happened. Some have said the cross is the second most pivotal event in all of history. and Of course, saying the resurrection was the first most pivotal event. Well, I will tell you, those two events are inextricably linked You cannot think of one without the other. Because one was the provision for our salvation, the provision of forgiveness, and the other was the validation of what Christ did. So they're inextricably linked. You cannot separate the two. So what we study this day, on this Sunday called Palm Sunday, is really the center of who we are spiritually. I cannot overestimate its importance. I want us to look at a number of passages today, but the one we will start with is not in the book of John, and I know you say, well, we've been studying the book of John. Yes, we have, and we will continue. In fact, the Palm Sunday triumphal entry is talked about in John, and we'll come to that in just a few Sundays as we look at it, because we don't want to miss a single verse in studying the gospel of John and we will come to that but today we look at Luke chapter 24 because in one passage here we will look at some other passages I promise but in this one passage something is asked that is of importance and it brings us to why today is so vitally important so we look at Luke chapter 24 beginning with verse 24 going through verse 26 now I know you're watching from home or your car or wherever. And I would invite you to look back and study all of chapter 24 of the book of Luke. But we're just going to look at a few verses to start us off this morning. The Bible there says, Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Him. Now this is a post-resurrection passage. Verse 25, He said to them, he who? This is Jesus referring, speaking to his disciples whom he met on what is called the road to Emmaus. And I've been on that road. It's about seven to eight miles southwest of Jerusalem. And oh, by the way, they have found in their archaeological digs in that area, in that village called Emmaus, an old Christian baptistry in an old Christian church and interestingly in the baptistry don't remember all of it but i remember there were three steps going down into the water and one was called the world the flesh and the devil and going out father son and holy spirit in other words when you go in that's what you're letting go of as john identifies the world the flesh and the devil three of our spiritual enemies and you go out having been baptized in the name of the father son and Holy Spirit. But the disciples had met Jesus after his resurrection, and he asked this question, how unwise and or he says to them, how unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. And then look at verse 26. It becomes our question of today. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Did he not have to? Was it not obligatory or was it not an obligation? Did he not have to? Is the question that Jesus asked them. He is bringing up a point that is extremely important. Was it not essential? We know even before this, in the garden experience, he struggled as a man, fully man, fully God. And he said, Father, take this cup from me. But there was no other way. It was essential that Jesus die on the cross. And I want to tell you this morning, it's essential and it's necessary from two different viewpoints. And that's what I want us to study this morning. First of all, the cross was necessary from God's point of view. First of all, let's look at it from God's point of view. Well, first of all, I will tell you it was essential because it revealed God's evaluation of humanity. It revealed God's evaluation, estimation, understanding, and appreciation of humanity. Now in Jesus' day we would have to say in all honesty human life was very cheap. Babies that were not wanted were just put outside and abandoned. Slaves could be killed by a master without any explanation to anyone. It was a day and time when life was cheap. Dictators like Nero, Caligula, Domitian manifest their belief in how cheap human life was. Even Nero even lit his garden one time by putting pitch or tar on human beings and lighting them as lamps or lights in his garden. Well life is not cheap. Life is supremely valuable and that's why We as evangelical believers believe that life begins at the moment of conception. And it must be protected until God calls that person home. We believe life is supremely valuable, but I believe the cross demonstrates that. I believe the cross shows that human life is not cheap when God was willing to give His only begotten Son to die to save it. So I think The cross validates the fact that God cared so much about us that He sent His only Son to die. Human life is not cheap, and Jesus dying for human life shows that it is not cheap. I read an interesting article by a man who was talking about an interesting phenomenon in our world today. He talked about the fact that in an intensive care waiting room, life is different than it is anywhere else. He said he noticed that in an intensive care waiting room, everybody was anguished. Everybody's concerned, whether it's about my wife, my husband, my child, my mother, my father, my grandmother, my grandfather. And it's different than any place in the world. And I will tell you, I have visited intensive care waiting rooms many, many times. And I will tell you, people there cannot do enough for each other. No one is rude to anyone else. Class and race mean nothing in an intensive care waiting room. The author was right. doesn't matter because the garbage collector is as concerned about his wife as the college professor is concerned about his or her spouse. It's an interesting phenomenon. Because everyone knows that loving someone else is what life is all about. Life should be seen as a spiritual intensive care waiting room, he said. And I agree. Life matters. All life matters. And the cross shows that God felt that way, too. Well, second, the cross was necessary from God's point of view to reveal the very essence of who God is. The very essence of God's character. That's what the cross reveals. We know it was an event planned by God before all of creation. In fact, Peter later wrote about it when he was preaching in the book of Acts, and he said the crucifixion was planned before the creation of time. Isn't that amazing? Herschel Hobbes, the great Oklahoma City theologian who was so pivotal in Southern Baptist life, said this, Our Lord's crucifixion in time had already occurred in the heart of God in eternity. In short, he said, Jesus died according to a plan made not in the house of Caiaphas, but made in the bosom of God. Did not Paul say in the very book of Romans that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? You see, the crucifixion reveals God's limitless love. He is our loving shepherd as we've studied in the book of John. He is our suffering servant. He is our father. But the cross was also necessary to reveal God's estimate of sin. Now listen carefully to me. Sin is terrible. and The cross was a physically excruciating experience for Jesus. But we think about that perhaps and forget how much more it hurt. Because he bore the sin of every man, woman, boy, and girl, past, present, and future. The cross is necessary to reveal how awful sin is. To many, sin is cute. In good taste. But to God, sin is a terrible, awful thing. We call our sins mistakes. Weaknesses. Slips. We call our our sins uh, complexes. But it's sin that takes a holy God incarnate in the flesh and treats Him as no beast would ever be treated. Stripping Him, beating Him, laughing at Him, spitting upon Him, piercing Him with nails, and then laughing at Him. How bad is sin? Let's personalize it. How bad is my sin? Bad enough to crucify a perfect Savior. And that ought to break our hearts. How bad is sin? It's so bad that only the shed blood of a perfect Savior could mitigate its terrible influence. The cross was necessary from God's standpoint. It reveals so much about who He was, about how He feels about us, and about how He feels about sin. Listen carefully to that. But then last, the cross was necessary from our standpoint, from mankind's standpoint, from our point of view. For without the cross, there is no salvation, there is no hope. Now I know you love people. I know everybody listening to me loves someone so much that you would die for them, wouldn't you? You love them so much, you would take the coronavirus for them. You would stand in front of a bullet for them. I know that you would, but we need to understand it was the Son of God that loved us. So from our standpoint, it's the power of God to challenge our sinful hearts and make us really understanding of how serious sin is. You see it's necessary for it to challenge our sinful hearts. He was willing to die. And that ought to compel us to stop when we know we're going to do wrong and realize how much He cared. So while we might be willing to die for someone, this is the Son of God willing to die for us. But also the cross is the power of God to atone for our sins. I've told you, I I remember years ago, long ago, I I took a course in seminary in the PhD program called uh, Person and Work of Christ, and it was a year-long PhD seminar, and it dealt with the theories of the atonement, and it was deep, and we wrote a lot of papers, and used some big language. But I will tell you, the Bible has no fine-spun theories. It speaks plainly. It speaks repeatedly. It speaks emphatically about what Jesus had to do. The writer of Hebrews in in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 said, Without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. So there had to be a sacrifice of a perfect sacrificial lamb who was our Lord Jesus. In the first epistle of John he says, and he is the propitiation or expiation of our, for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. His death accomplished that which was not accomplishable by us. That we could ever be clean and pure. The cross is the power of God to atone for our sins. He makes us right before God. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. Now look at me. One last thing. The cross is the power of God to change us. In One of my favorite verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul comes to this conclusion and he says, therefore, I told you before when Paul says, therefore, be careful, because he's fix to say something great. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. All things are passed away and behold, all things are new. All things are become new. Oh, my friends, the cross is the power of God to change us. And I need changing, don't you? It's His power alone that can accomplish transformation. So let's never question the power of the cross from God's standpoint or from our need. Let's never question His love for us. If you would look at these last statements, please, and, and as you're watching or as you're listening or as you are looking at the computer, say this out loud with me. The cross was necessary for Him to show how He felt about us. The cross was necessary for Him to show who He really was. The cross was necessary to show how He felt about the sin. And then from our standpoint, it's necessary for us to challenge our sinful hearts. It was necessary for Him to atone for our sins, for my sins. And the cross was necessary to change me. To change our lives. Would you let Christ be your Savior and Lord today? He's our only hope. In this upside-down world, this craziness in which we live, He's our only hope. You must have a relationship with Him that transcends everything. Oh, understand today how much He loves you. How much He cares about you. Understand today how deep our sin is and what it does but understand the change He wants to bring about in your life today. Pray with me, please. Father God, in Jesus' name, we pray for everyone who is listening, that this would be a time of absolute decision, a time of absolute submission of souls and lives to You. Oh God, speak to us. Deal with us. Save us. and Make us more like You. We ask it in Jesus' precious name.